right, one of our last weeks in Job. One more to go. Do you guys know, so the word awesome, it's kind of lost its meaning, but the literal meaning of the word awesome, to be in awe of something, something that is awesome, draws awe out of you, to be in awe of something. Uh, I, I think for myself, the first time that I kind of actually grasped the idea of something that was awesome was I was on my first ever international mission trip. We went to Albania, uh, and on our way back, first of all, had an amazing time in Albania, but when I was traveling back, we stopped in Vienna, which is in Austria. It's near Germany, if you know where that is. And there's a difference between Europe and America, especially living in Washington. Uh, we don't really have old things here, right? Because now America's not that old. Like as a country, we're not even 300 years old. So we're not that old. Things are not that old over here. Well, over there, I saw two of the oldest buildings, oldest man creations I have ever seen. And they weren't even that old compared to the history of the world. One, I mentioned Vienna. Before Vienna, let me backtrack. I was in Macedonia, uh, which comes up in the Bible, by the way. And in Macedonia, there was a church that was built originally in the year 800. It's 1,200 years old. Church was built in the year 800. It was not massive, but I got a wind. Uh, I wasn't supposed to take pictures. I did. Uh, it's like a rule they posted, like, you're not supposed to take pictures. But on the walls of this building were paintings that were painted in the year 1100. And in my head, I just not even fully comprehend just how old these things were that some dude a thousand years ago took a paintbrush and painted this picture, painted this portrait. It, it was of a it was of a man uh, a thousand years ago. I was in awe of it. And then later, another church, now in Vienna, there's St. Stephen's Cathedral, uh, which had a lot of work done to it. I, I, I had uh, posted a picture that I had taken of it. Alderwood, big church, right? You look at our church. We're a pretty big church. Our building is pretty large. St. Stephen's Cathedral makes the space needle in terms of height look tiny. I mean, you get up next to it, and in the year 1300, some dude was like 300 feet in the sky. There were no safety harnesses back then, chiseling away at rock, building this immense church. And in my head, I was just in awe that people could have done this. It was stunning. It was beautiful. And it was terrifying also because I thought of, oh my goodness, if you fell, that would be the worst death I could, I could think of. I was in awe, though, of these structures. And it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. I didn't quite know what to think or feel. I just felt a lot of emotion, which was weird because I was like, I'm looking at a building, but I feel emotional. I, I didn't really know what to do with it yet. But I was in awe of what I was seeing because it was so unlike anything else that I had ever interacted with. It, I hadn't come across anything. I mean, what's our oldest buildings in Washington? Like late 1800s, probably? I mean, we don't, we don't have anything that's a years old. They're, they're 100 to 150 years old here. So in my head, I was just struck by this. It was so different for me. My goal with this is that we start to understand that this passage in Job, let me recap what has happened so far in Job to get up to this point, because it's so important that we understand exactly what God is about to do. But it is awesome. 
because this is unlike anything else that Job would have had encountered. This is unlike anything that I have ever encountered in my own life. God is going to speak very, very powerfully, very plainly to Job in a way that can only be described as awesome, right? We're going to meet God and learn more about God and who he is and how grand and big he is. But first, Job, our friend, uh, if you've been with us, you probably know the Spark Notes, the short version of Job's story. Job was a great dude, godly man, lost everything, his family, his wealth, the camels, right, the camels. Job lost everything, all of it gone, and all of it was because Satan said, hey, Job only follows you, God, because you gave him all these good things. Uh, and God basically says, all right, take it away, see what happens. Uh, and so Job has suffered immensely for some time now. Everything. I mean, imagine you have it all, and it's all ripped away from you. I mean, your loved ones, your money, your things, all of it's gone. It, that's suffering. That is awful. And then, to make matters worse, Job's three supposed friends come, and we talked about this for several weeks. They offer him comfort by telling him how bad of a person he is, and how he's awful, and how all this, he had all this coming, and he's so bad. So that's been our story of Job up to this point. It's been real thrilling. It's been really encouraging and super happy, fun time. All rainbows and unicorns. (laughs) And I'm being sarcastic. It's awful, right? This story is sad and depressing and so heavy, but it's so important. And the reason it's important is because of what we are about to read, what we are about to see and experience from God's word here. This is the buildup. This is what we've been waiting for. So Job, in this suffering, ultimately is still faithful, but he's not perfect, right? Job's not a perfect guy. Uh, One of his problems he has with God, he's having these back and forth with friends. Uh, He mentions this to God that he's kind of having a problem with God's authority. So as God responds, he's going to respond specifically to this. Uh, You don't have to turn there if you have the Bible open. It's okay. But I would turn to Job 38 to get ready. All the way back in chapter 9, Job said that if I summoned him, if I summoned God, and he answered me, I don't believe he would pay attention to what I said. He doesn't let me catch my breath, but fills me with bitter experiences. Job's doing two things. One, he's kind of demanding an audience with God. He's kind of saying, hey, come down to my level. Let's talk, Uh, which is appropriate, and God's going to address that. He's also having an issue with God's authority, He's saying, I don't know why God is doing this, but it ain't fair. And you might agree with him. But let's see what God has to say about this, right? So I told you, turn to Job 38. It's going to be on the screen here. We're going to read about the first half of this chapter. And I want us just to sit in this. This is going to be kind of longer than sometimes we read on Wednesday night. But this is so important and so powerful. I want you to listen to the words. You might not understand every single word that's said. But pay attention. God is going to make statement after statement here, and it's very powerful. It's important that if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you obey God. This is going to tell you a lot about who he is. So, verse 38. Sorry, chapter 38. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Right? No big challenge. God answers him. Who is this that obscures my counsel with ignorant words? Get ready to answer me like a man when I question you. You will inform me. Where were you when I established the earth? Tell me, 
if you have understanding, who fixed its dimensions? Certainly no. Who stretched a measuring line across it? What supports its foundations? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together for all the sons of God shouted for joy. Who enclosed the sea behind doors when it burst from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and total darkness its blanket. When I determined its boundaries and put its bars and doors in place. When I declared, you may come this far, but no farther. Your proud waves stop here. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning? or assign the dawn its place so it may seize the edges of the earth and shake the wicked out of it. The earth is changed as clay is by a seal. Its hills stand out like the folds of a garment. Light is withheld from the, the wicked, and the arm is raised and violence is broken. Have you traveled to the sources of the sea or walked in the depths of the ocean? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the extent of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. If you didn't pick up on God's tone there, there is a hint of sarcasm. Just a little bit. Where God is saying, Job, you have issued your challenge. You've said you want to talk. You want me to hear you. And God is going to come down to Job, and he's going to say, all right, I'm here, but who do you exactly think you are, and who exactly do you think I am? Because God just said, in these first 18 verses, and he goes on, there's a lot more, God just said, this is who I am. I am the one that laid out the ocean. I'm the one that separated day and night. I put the stars in the sky. I placed this. I created this earth. I know all of it. And you're going to come to me and say, God, I know better than you. God is going to say, Job, I'm here, let's talk. But first, let's get a few things in order. Right? Job gives God a response, by the way. We skip ahead to chapter 40. God goes on for a while. But we skip ahead to chapter 40. God says, Job, will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who argues with God give an answer, right? So he's saying to Job, you're going you're gonna to talk back now? I just said all these things. This is who I am. Come to me now. Tell me what you want to say. And Job actually like totally chickens out here. Uh, this this looks really humble. This actually looks really good. He's totally chickening out. Job says this, I am so insignificant. How can I answer you? I place my hand over my mouth. I have sinned once and I will not reply twice but now I can add nothing. And God basically says, all right, coward, like, let's actually talk. But, but here's what, what's happening, right? We're getting an exchange. We're getting a back and forth. And this is what I mean by this is awesome. I have never had this happen to me in my life, right? I have never once in my life, in all of my doubts and questions with God, in all the times when I have experienced some amount of suffering, never, never has God taken this approach with me, where he comes down and he lays out his awesomeness and his grandeur before me. Job's getting it. And let me just say, I say it's awesome. This is awesome in the truest sense of the word. I would probably pee my pants right about now. It's terrifying. Like, God is just giving him a 
glimpse of how big he is to Job. <laughs> and Job has got to be terrified. Uh, this is happening, I mentioned, because Job's had a little bit of a problem with God's authority. Uh, Job is, don't get me wrong, a good guy uh, in this story. He, he is faithful, and he's facing something that I think if you're like me, you probably read the story and go like, all right, this is a little bit much for this poor guy, Job. Um, fit in my life, uh, tomorrow is a, it's a sad day for me. Uh, it's one that I remember. Uh, I have a calendar reminder, but I need it. Uh, tomorrow's the day that I had, a, I had a good friend pass away uh, on the anniversary of tomorrow. And for me, uh, when I think of Job's story, I, I don't think I have felt suffering anything close to Job. Um, I don't think I've felt suffering compared to even some of you in this room. Uh, there's some of you that have suffered a great deal in your life and dealt with real hurt and sadness that uh, I just have been, I'm thankful that I haven't had to experience it, but uh, for you, I know there's, there's pain. Um, for me, the closest thing come to that is when my friend passed away suddenly and uh, just out of nowhere. And I can remember the emotion in that moment and to have some empathy for Job, who uh, at this exact moment doesn't seem like a great guy, but Job, who underwent a lot of suffering, I can think some of my raw thoughts in the moment when I found out that my friend had died. Uh, I did not think super happy, fun thoughts. Uh, I asked God in my, in my heart and in, out loud uh, from my bed, I asked, why? Why would you do this? Why is this happening? This doesn't make any sense. Uh, and in essence, that's kind of what Job has been doing. Uh, he's been having these really long conversations about it, so there's a lot of words written. But you boil it down, Job is saying, I don't get why this is happening. This does not seem fair. What is going on? There must be some sort of problem. And so for me, when I experienced that, I kind of had some, some raw thoughts. Uh, and I, I want to help us understand here because there's, I have two goals. One is I want us tonight to understand the awesomeness of God, to understand how big he is, that should humble us, that helps us appreciate him. But also, I want us to just take a moment and process the fact that when you have pain and you have raw emotions, uh, the goal, what God is driving here is not, don't feel those emotions, but you can control one thing. You can't control your circumstance. You can't control what happens to you, what happens around you. You can control your attitude, though. God's giving Job an attitude adjustment. He's right-sizing Job in the world. God's not going to look at Job here and say, I don't care about you because your problems are insignificant. Actually, God coming down to Job and displaying this is amazing. It actually is an amazing act. Uh, but for us, when we face difficulty, when we face trial and suffering and pain, I don't want your first reaction to be, I better not feel any amount of upset about this because then God's going to come down and smite me and destroy me for this. That's not what I want the takeaway to be. It's actually an understanding of God is going to be extremely patient with you. He's going to walk through this with you. He, he's going to come close and comfort you, hopefully by the people around you, but also I believe, uh, this is a really big concept, but I believe God's Holy Spirit, God's presence actually interacts with us, and he comforts us. But our attitude towards God still matters in that moment. Holding anger and bitterness towards God still matters. I think you can ask the question why. Uh, when something bad happens, I think you actually should pray and go to God and ask, help me understand why this happened. 
But the difference between God, help me understand this, and God, who do you think you are for doing this? Or God, you're no longer good because this happened to me. There's a big difference between those things. And one can become the other real quick. I want to go back to, to Job's response. Because after God says, Job, hey, let's talk. Do you still want to say something? And Job, by the way, when he covers his mouth, that's like a, it's like a tradition thing. It's a cult thing. That's literally like you cover your mouth. It's not like, it's like no, I'm going to cover my mouth so I literally can't say words. Like It's a symbol to you of like, I am done talking, right? So Job covers his mouth. Again, it was cowardice. It was not, it was not so much wisdom. Job was giving God a non-answer where God's like, Job, tell me what you think. Job says, well, maybe not. But let's look. God lays out for Job more of who he is. He lays out, I'm so big. I affect heavens. I affect the earth. I can do anything. Find Job's attitude adjusts. And this is an important lesson. In in chapter 42, Job replies to the Lord. He says, I know that you can do anything, and no plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that conceals my counsel with ignorance? Surely I spoke about things I did not understand, things too wondrous for me to know. You said, speak, or listen now, and I will speak. When I question you, you will inform me. I had heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I reject my words and am sorry for them. I am dust and ashes. Job's response here is true humility. He's direct. He laid out, I was wrong. Now I have seen you. I've seen how grand, how great you are, how awesome a God you are that I serve, that I worship. I was wrong to quit. That's not my place. Job still doesn't have an answer, by the way, for why all this happened. Spoiler, we got one more week left. The answer's not in there either. We never know. Why did God all this happen to Job? What's, what's the great purpose? It's actually not plenty written for us. We can figure it out. We can talk about it. Job had one goal, to go to God and be like, what's going on, man? And he doesn't even get the answer. But his attitude and his response is humility. He says... I spoke about things I did not understand. I am dust and ashes. I am the lowest of the low. I am filth compared to you, God. God, you are greater than me. Job teaches us an important lesson for his character of approaching God in humility receives grace. We'll see that next week and how God blesses Job for this. But this is the good news of the story. I told you the goal of this is not that you come away and you go, oh my goodness, I'm so awful. I better not ever question God. I better not ever in my heart ever say, God, I don't understand why this is happening. That's not at all what it is. Because God came down to Job's level and chatted. It was a terrifying chat, but he chatted. For us, God came down to our level, and in our sin and our problems, he did not stay up and say, those people are awful. They're not worth my time. They think they're better than me, because at times we do. Instead, he says this, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? God's looking for wrath. For while we were enemies, 
we were reconciled, we were made right to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Tonight, we're going to close. We're going to do a physical action. Uh, we're going to partake in communion. If you've been in church, you might know that word. If not, don't worry, I'm going to explain it. But I want us to just approach in a very specific way. Uh, Job is a hard book. It's been a long book, like I said. There's been a lot of downers in Job. Uh, we're reaching the end point, and where we're at right now is God has just displayed how big he is, right? But the takeaway is this. It's what Paul wrote in Romans. It's that in that while we were sinners, while we were enemies of God, he did not abandon us. He did not say we are not worthy. Instead, in his amazing love, in an awesome way, in a true meaning of that word, he came down to our level as Jesus to be our Savior, to die on the cross for us, to provide a way back to him, to be restored. That's what that word reconciled means, made right. God did not choose to leave us. Instead, he chose to love us. So communion is just a way that if you are a follower of Jesus, that if you believe that Christ is your Savior, that, that he is the one that offers you forgiveness for your sins, we get to take this action. We get to remember a special night that when Jesus was about to die, that he had dinner with his friends. He ate with his disciples, and he taught them a lesson. And in that time, we get to take part alongside all Christians that have come before us to remind ourselves that Jesus is our Savior, that he loves us, but also that we are called to obedience to him, that we're called to confess sin. We have a God that loves us. Again, we were enemies. He died for us. Confess your sin. If you are a follower of Jesus, you're his child. If you're his enemy and he's willing to die for you, how much more is he willing to forgive you when you're a part of his family? So as we take communion, I'm going to have a song play. Starting in a minute. Uh, but the song, it's by a band called Ghost Ship. They're uh, from Seattle, actually. But uh, it's a song that hopefully as you listen, you recognize some of the lyrics. Uh, a lot of the lyrics are taken out of what I just read in Job. That's part of the reason why we read so much. It, it's God's words to Job and Job's words to God. Uh, it summarizes the book and it summarizes this ending. So as we take communion, listen to the lyrics of this song. And I encourage you, if you are a follower of Jesus, take a moment and pray to confess sin and to ask God for forgiveness. And then also thank him for his sacrifice. Take the time to do that. And then what we'll do, actual instructions are, whenever you're ready, silently, please just stand up. Part of the reason why the aisle, so we can easily get out. And you walk back, there's some bread, and there's a bowl with some grape juice. You dip the bread in the bowl, and then uh, go ahead and eat it. As you eat the bread and the juice, remember, the bread represents Christ's body, broken for us. He died on the cross for us. The juice represents his blood that was spilled for us. The brokenness of his body and his blood spilled provide us with the gift of being saved, the gift of forgiveness. Job's story is one of great suffering, but it ends with restoration, with humility, and with being restored back in relationship with God. When we take communion, we are remembering that God did the work to restore us 
back to relationship him. Last thing I'll say before we go uh, is if you are not a follower of Jesus, if you don't know if that's you, uh, right now if you have any question in your head, uh, I'm talking to you. My invitation to you is actually don't do this. Um, If you go back there, you're going to get a soggy piece of bread. It doesn't taste that great. Uh, It does nothing for you. There's nothing magical about this. This is not going to all of a sudden wipe away your sins. You dip the piece of bread in juice. There's nothing magical happening. Seriously, you're going to eat a soggy piece of bread. It's not that great. This is a symbol. This is a reminder. It's a powerful reminder. If we're a follower of Jesus, let this be a powerful moment. Let this be a time that you are close with God. But if you're not, it's fine. Sit here. Listen to lyrics. Drift up in, in thought. But I encourage you, don't just give in to peer pressure and go do it because you think anyone's looking at you. No one's going to look around. No one's going to look at who's gone hasn't. We're going to go at different times anyway. So uh, I want to encourage you with that. We're going to play the song. After the song, uh, the band will come up, close in worship, and we'll head to small groups. Okay? So I'm going to pray for us, and we'll start the music. God, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you that you lay out so clearly uh, to your servant Job and to us of just how great you are, how much love you have for us. God, just pray as we prepare to join in communion with you, um, those of us that are followers of you, that, that we would take the moment to come before our God, our Savior, and confess that help us just be reminded of your great love for us, of the sacrifice you, you paid, that you poured out on the cross for us. Let us also be reminded that of our sin we confess to you, that you are faithful and just to forgive us. So help us be uh, encouraged in this time. Help us be filled up, drawn close to you. Uh, and God, just pray that this is a blessing uh, for all of those who follow you, God.